Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Jolly. Coming up on today's episode, the latest Times Radio focus group, James Johnson, former number 10 pollster, is in the hot seat as a group of swing voters from across the country give us their instant first impressions of Liz Truss. Uh, then we show them some of her in action this week at PMQs and so on. And then they seem to quite warm to her. And then we told them what her plans were for who pays for freezing energy bills. And then they were less happy. Anyway, it's a genuinely fascinating list. It's sort of a focus group in three acts. Uh, that's coming up in just a moment. First, though, as ever, we kick off with The Columnists. The Columnists on Times Radio. Yes, it's Thursday, so it should be night at the Marriott. But... James Marriott is off having his gap year before he goes to university. So we have got India night. Morning, India. Good morning. Nice to have you with us. And joining us, Patrick Kidd. Time's diary editor. Morning, Patrick. Hello, Matt. Nice to have you uh, both with us. Now, this is this is this is something that you're both eminently qualified to to discuss. Yeah, does it matter what politicians look like? Uh, Patrick, there's a, a thunder in the Times today uh, talking about these sort of comments on Therese Coffey's appearance, uh, whether she's fit to be a health secretary when she drinks and smokes. There's this photo. It was a sort of, in Westminster Circle, anyway, sort of iconic photo of Therese Coffey. I think it was at a spectator summer party with a glass of champagne in one hand, a cigar in the other in... I think it's fair to say some spillages down her front. Does all of this matter? Well, this has been doing the rounds this pitch, and I suppose it's because she's health secretary rather than any other job. If she was defence secretary, maybe people would would care less. Personally, I don't think it matters. I, I, I think the biggest problem with that photo is that she's drinking champagne while smoking a cigar, when obviously it should be a glass of port or some brandy. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there, there's a fair amount of fat shaming and i mean i get you know, i am I, I am too big and i am scruffy and when my picture appears in the paper i get cruel comments left by readers and i just have to take it it's fair comment um i think therese coffee can can take it but a lot of people have been saying this is sexist and and that was what the thunder is saying and i just slightly wonder if I, i'm sure there are sexists who make that comment about her but we've just had three years of the scruffiest prime minister there ever been and no one pulled any punches about boris johnson's looks and similarly, people like uh, Eric Pickles or, or John Prescott or going further back, Ken Clark was always photographed with a cigar and a, and a glass of a beer normally. Um, I think men do get the treatment as well. I know there's a val- there's valid criticisms about how we look at women's judgment, but I, I think the same point would be made by a male about a male health secretary um, who had a photo like that. And just one other point I, sh- I want to make, though, is that in the House of Commons, in the chamber, her workplace... Therese Coffey, I think, always looks fabulous. She dresses very elegantly. Interesting, yeah. She's got a good line in scarves. I think, I think she always looks rather nice. Um, so no one's ever said Boris Johnson looked nice when he was at work. I mean, at the dispatch box, he still looks scruffy and, and a bit of a disgrace. So um, I think the fact she, she enjoys life, great. People always moaning that, that politicians should look more like them. Well, um, I think it's a good thing we have someone who's very normal. I thought, yeah, I don't know what you thought of this, India. So it's um, it, the, 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 the Thunderhead column in the Times we talked about today is Joad Akbell has said uh, that why is she having to defend herself 
but then goes on to say that, um, yeah, nobody ever said anything about Ken Clark, which I'm just, I'm just not sure that's true. I think people did comment on the fact that Ken Clark was health secretary and was smoking cigars and drinking and Ronnie Scotts and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think they did. I think the, I think the, I think the tone of the comment about men who are carrying a bit of extra poundage is more benign. I think, I think there was something. I, I completely take Patrick's point, but Patrick's question about whether it's sexist or not when it's aimed at a woman, and I think it is. I think the intent is crueler when it's aimed at a woman and a woman, and I think women are so judged on their appearance all the time that it would be really nice if in this one particular arena they could be given a break um on the other hand we all do it i mean i've been i've just been looking at liz truss's instagram to look at her clothes um in anticipation of this conversation so you know of course of course it's a kind of natural thing you look at an image of somebody and you have a view about what it says about them i think the fact that she drinks and smokes is completely irrelevant um, I think, you know, what's in her head is much more important than what she is consuming personally. And I think, yeah, I think it's really nasty. I hate it. I hate, I hate anyone commenting on women's appearance ever in any context. Do I you even hate, hate the... comment on men's appearance. Yes, I don't think, I just don't think it's relevant. But I do think there's something about bigger men that is not necessarily when it's commented on I'm not sure that it's always sort of condemnatory I think from memory you know people are the adjectives around the descriptions are not kind of really malign you know people look I don't know friendly or a bit scruffy or a bit you know it's not considered completely kind of heinous and and appalling in the way that it is when those adjectives are um, other adjectives are used about women. Well, Full so, stop. So, let's yeah. let's because let, because there is some people say we should never comment on you know we just don't comment on anyone. But I suppose the point is that people do make those judgments, and in politics, you know, the way that someone looks or speaks or acts, you know, is 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 often as much a part of it as you know, the, whether or not their policies add up. This is, in fact, this is, well, we'll we're going to do this at 11, uh, in a, a bit later on, but the, the focus group from last night, this came out without us uh, asking them. Uh, I think it was after they'd watched her, that we played them her speech from outside number 10 uh, on Tuesday and then just asked them what they thought of it. And this is, this is what the focus group said. I think she looks very professional. She was well-dressed. She, she communicated well. I thought she looked like she'd just come from a party. <laughs> <laughs> she, she didn't. She didn't really look like a Margaret Thatcher walking out with the handbag and the glad rags properly. See, so it do, people do make those judgments, India, whether we like yes, it or not, or whether make, they should I, or not. I I make them too. I mean, I'm fascinated by the way um, Liz Truss looks because it's very, very deliberate. She is not, you know, she has not come to play. She's dressed for business. Everything is, it's really kind of unplayful. It's really neat and close-fitting and correct and kind of linear. And she looks absolutely, I mean, she looks like somebody who thinks very hard about what she's going to put on in the morning. And I think that is interesting and significant. I'm not making a judgment about her fashion sense or otherwise. I'm just saying her presentation obviously matters to her, as I think in this context it, it should, um, and and she is deliberately using her clothes to make a statement. I mean, there was the kind of Margaret Thatcher cosplay thing, and now it's the kind of chief executive in the you know in the brisk little outfit and the clicky clacky shoes, <laughs> and she's semaphoring all kinds of things before by the way she dresses before she even, even opens her mouth. And I think actually, I was quite struck by what she was wearing. Because it's so the opposite of scruffy or shambolic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really precise and neat and kind of no nonsense. And it's weird, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, Boris Johnson has a particular thing of looking scruffy and you know deliberately because that's part of his band. But when you go back to sort of the David Cameron, where he, he you know he made a point of not wearing a tie or being seen in trainers made from recycled tires, whatever it was. You know, you're right mm. that it's, semaphoring is such a good word for this. That the the uh the the message it sends is is really key. Now the other thing about ties is ties are back. Uh that Liz Truss has ruled that ties are back in number 10. Uh there's a she's reintroducing a dress code with officials told to wear shirts and ties when they're around the office. Obviously it's after, you know, that's basically a reversal of the sort of Dominic Cummings 
turning up in the clothes you'd normally wear to clear the shed out in. Do you welcome this, Patrick? You and I have both stopped wearing ties to the office. Exactly. I, I would rather not wear a, a tie if I could, although if I'm in a sort of place where I think I need one, I have one in my pocket. Um, and I, uh, places like Lords or Henley Regatta, I'd rather not follow the dress code. But I think in, 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 in Parliament, it, it is the response to the Dominic Cummings. Um, you're right. I mean, he, he was beyond scruffy. He was almost um, insolently scruffy. Uh, and so I suppose if, it, if it's a smarter look, it makes a smarter brain. That's good. I was just going to say on this point, though, she's following what's been going on in, in, in France. I did a diary story back in July. Um, a member of the Republicans' Party in the French Assembly has tabled a bill. I don't know how far it's got. He tabled a bill to make tie-wearing compulsory, saying left-wing politicians look scruffy. And in response, a member of a socialist party tabled a bill um, saying that expensive suits should be banned in Parliament, saying that politicians <laughs> should look like their voters. And uh, the French newspaper I got this from went to Emmanuel Macron's tie-maker and asked what he thought. And he said there were already too many fashion weeks in Paris. Why do we need to have a one, another one? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting, though, isn't it, um, uh, India? Because one of my, you know, one of my complaints about the sort of Boris Johnson era of of what was going on in Number Ten is they just looked like I mean, seeing those photos of them all standing around in the garden when they were having not having a party, you just thought they looked like you wouldn't have had them let, let them run top man. Never mind run the country, you know, in like t-shirts and trainers and jeans. Yeah, they looked like superannuated students, you know, about to pass around the bong. I mean, not literally quite pass around the bong, but, you know, well, it you was don't very, know. very, it was very, very kind of adolescent looking, the whole thing. I mean, there's something reassuring about formal wear. I don't, I was just thinking this morning, I haven't seen anybody in a suit for months and possibly years. And I certainly haven't seen anybody in a tie unless they were going to a funeral. Which is what was weird, actually. When I went down to Downing Street, because I went to Downing Street for to Boris Johnson leaving, and then I went back in the afternoon and got absolutely drenched. But I did put a suit and tie on mm. in, in a way that I haven't done for a long time. But I was going to Downing Street, you know, that everyone mm. else there is, you know, but Hugh Edwards has got a tie on. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. It's I a... think that's right. I mean, there is there's something. I mean, it, it it looks more respectful, doesn't it? You wouldn't turn up in your beanie and your kind of manual yeah. t-shirt. And it's always the, the thing in it, Patrick. That the difference between, well, even actually in this building, between the Times and the Sun, the broadsheet reporters are quite often scruffier than tabloid. Tabloid yes. reporters have always got a suit and tie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very, very much. I suppose. Jacob Rees-Mogg is always impeccably dressed and gets mocked for it. I mean, he's never has a tie out of place. Yeah. Um, and but also just one more thought on the politicians being snapped, looking a bit scruffy. Michael Gove, you can barely sit, move for pictures of him not in a disco these days. <laughs> um, and and again, I, I suppose you know, he's entitled to let his hair down as is Therese Coffey. I just go back to the fact that whenever Therese Coffey's in the chamber, she always looks perfectly smart and professional. Yeah. It's also very difficult for politicians, I think, because you have to hit that sweet spot. Because- between not looking like a massively out-of-touch toff and <laughs> not looking like you're going to Aldi. You know, there's a sort of middle bit where you have to look kind of smart and pulled together, but not incredibly off-puttingly, which I think is Jacob Rees-Mogg's problem. You know, yeah. you're always... yeah. I don't know, I always I always imagine him on a penny farthing, you know, yeah. riding <laughs> riding with a top hat on. Do you need and, to wear and that's... Do you need to wear um bicycle clips if you're wearing if you're riding a penny farthing with your suit? I don't I don't know the, the you mechanics. Have, have you have small Dickensian children clinging to your ankles, <laughs> holding the fabric for you to stop it flapping. Right, here's the thing, before I let you go, uh, because in our focus group, which is coming up in a, in a bit, uh people were saying they didn't know who Liz Chuss was. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're just discovering her this week. So I've been asking for people to send in things that they've only discovered recently. I mentioned the thing about how on the pe- on your dashboard, the, the little picture of the petrol pump has an arrow which shows you which side your flap's on. Loads of people have been in touch, so oh. they had no idea. I didn't no, know I... that. Did you not know that? Oh, I'm so pleased I'm helping. Yeah. So, huh. so the, the thing that shows you how much petrol you've got in your car, there's a little picture of a petrol pump, and there'll be a little arrow next to it telling you which side the, the, the flap's on. So, well, I was going to ask, what's something that you've discovered very late after everyone else? But it turns out it's that. It's that. Also that um, panthers, black panthers, are leopards whose spot situation has gone a bit wrong. Like the opposite of albinos. So they really did They've change their spots. Pigmentation. Yeah, so the pigmentation has gone all over rather than just in dots. And that's why they're black. 
I did not know that. Patrick, well, right. There the, you go. The stakes are quite high now. Can you top that? I've been racking my brain. I think there's all sorts of things. I still hope there's lots more I'm going to learn. Um, but I, I can't. I'm going to have to just nick your petrol gauge. They can stay yeah. No, um, it, I'm so pleased I'm helping people. Uh, I mean, I did know who Liz, Liz Trust was. So I'm, I don't know if that's... I, I, I found, by the way, I was looking through some old sketches I did of, of the day when she changed her voice. And it was in 2018. And, and suddenly she went from quite high-pitched to a really deep voice. And I said she sounded a bit like Bernard Breslau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I listen to her, actually, there is still... A, I, I, it's also like Ed Miliband trying to do Margaret Thatcher. There, it's, it's not quite worth it. But her, her voice did change suddenly in 2018. Well, that's well worth going back to have a look at. Really good to speak to you both as ever. Patrick, uh, in an open neck shirt there. Patrick Kidd, Times uh, Diary Editor. Uh, India Night, uh, Sunday Times columnist. Of course, you can read them every week. You just need to get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk, subscribe now, and uh, you can get your first three months for just a pound. But you've only got a few days left. Go to thetimes.co.uk and do that now. India Night and Patrick Kidd, though, and of course, uh, you can read Patrick every day in the Times Diary in India Night on uh, Sunday in the Sunday Times. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is the Focus Group. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. The focus group was run by James Johnson for JL Partners, former number 10 pollster. Used to do this for the government, now he does it for us. And James joins me now. Morning, James. Morning. Let's start with our legal disclaimer. What is a focus group and why is it different to an opinion poll? Yep, so an opinion poll is a you know, large-scale poll, you know, 2,000, 1,000 people. It's, decided, it's there to be representative. A focus group is much smaller, seven or eight people, and it's not there to tell you definitively what the public think, but it allows you to get into the contours underneath the polling. How do people talk about things? How do they view things? And it gives you a sense, perhaps, of where opinion is under the surface. We spoke to seven swing voters uh, this time round, um, some from Maidenhead, one from Manchester, one from Birmingham, one uh, a few from Don Valley. Uh, and they're people who voted Conservative or Labour in 2019 and they're now undecided about how they vote today. And obviously it's a big moment, this, because there's a new Prime Minister and first impressions can count a lot. Uh, definitely. And, you know, this is the... This is the moment, really, where Liz Truss is introducing herself to the public. And we've had that long leadership campaign, a few murmurs of that in the, in the focus group, but largely speaking, this now is, what is, the, is the moment that really matters for, for Liz Truss's brand. And uh, anybody who texts in at any point and says, who are these people? How do they not know the intricacies of what goes on in Westminster? This is the reason we do it. You are banned from listening if you've got to text in with that sort of business. Uh, because uh, normal people, who, but people who listen to the show are not normal. We love to have you, but you're not normal. Normal people do not follow politics as closely as people who listen to this show. So let's dive straight in then uh, and get the uh, the focus group's assessment of the woman of the moment, the brand new Prime Minister, 
James has asked him a very simple question. This was last night as well, so bearing in mind it's not 24 hours after Liz Truss entered number 10. Ask them, what do they think of Liz Truss? Not known. There's no proven track record. There's nothing I really know about this lady at all who can actually step in the shoes apart from I think she's really in love with Boris Johnson because every word that comes out of her mouth is with Boris, 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 Boris. I'm, I'm not sure who she really is. I don't know a huge amount about her. All I've heard in the last week or so is the fact that she used to be high up in Shell and bearing in mind we're getting ripped up by petrol people on a regular basis. That concerns me a little bit. I don't. I haven't got a clue who she is. I haven't really heard of her before. She's not necessarily been like a main player as such. I would say like in, so. Yeah, I don't really. I, I haven't got anything. I don't really know anything about her. She's unknown, but we have to be open-minded. So I hope that she'll be for the people and not just the elite. I don't have any thoughts either because I just have no awareness of her. I only actually heard of her in the last couple of days, so nothing to say really. No idea. Don't even know what she looks like. Can't be worse than Boris. I think she'll just be as worse as Boris, to be fair. I don't think she's good for this country at all. I think we just need um, a new party. So there we are. The woman who's just become Prime Minister, who, let's be forget, is not a political unknown. A Sunday, last Sunday, marked 10 years since Liz Truss became a minister. She's been on the front line of politics for a decade. And yet, her impact... And she's not been publicity shy. We all think of her as a great self-publicist who constantly Instagram and the photo stunts in dressing up as Margaret Thatcher. But a great reminder that... She just hasn't had a big impact on the public's perception. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is a reminder of how little perhaps the public do pay attention to, to the ins and outs of politics. People haven't been following this leadership campaign in great detail over the last few months. They haven't been looking at the ups and downs and all the different cabinet ministers over the last uh, few months and years. And yeah, you heard it there. Some people saying they hadn't, didn't even know what she looked like. Now, big caveat, of course, they're not going to be thinking that in two weeks, two months, you know, she's going to be prime minister um, uh, at least for some time. So uh, I think that's that's obviously going to change. The only thing I would say is that I do think this is actually quite unusual because after Theresa May's uh, Downing Street speech, and um, when I was running the focus groups then, people really noticed that and really talked about it and actually formed a view of her quite quickly. Now, it all ended up sort of you know falling apart uh, with the 2017 general election campaign, but that, that did cut through. So I think there's another element here. Yes, a lack of awareness that's usual, but a, a more unusual sense of disillusionment. People have felt so frustrated about politics over the last few months that they now are saying, well, actually, I can't be bothered to pay attention yeah. anymore. Well, a new prime minister comes around so so much more frequently. Oh, there's another one. Oh, it's all this, you know, uh, and all that sort of thing. But not necessarily a negative for a new prime minister to be unknown at this point. In fact, from Liz Trust, Team Trust, I assume that they're doing their own focus groups, probably picking up the same thing. They're probably quite pleased. Yeah, I would see this as a net positive. It might be easy to default and say, well, actually, hang on a second. If nobody knows who she is, surely that's a disaster. But actually, she's got a blank sheet here. And now it's about whether she can turn that into a positive with these voters. Yeah, and they weren't necessarily, you know, negative about her. In fact, they were quite sort of hopeful, I think, probably the word. Let's take a, let's take a listen to what, what the panel had to say. I just, I'm just going to wait to see what, what happens, really. I think even if it was any of the others, really, I think I'd probably feel the same. As in, I'm not sure. I'm just going to wait to see what happens. If you went to a general election tomorrow, is it is that fair on a reader? Maybe you do have to give her a little bit of time to, to try and do something. I'm not convinced what she'll do, but, you know, I think you've maybe just got to give her the benefit of the doubt for a... They obviously think she's right for us, don't they? I can't see anybody at this moment in time in any of the parties who I would, I would actually trust anyway. We, we don't know what she's got to put up with, what she's got to say, and I personally couldn't sit there and say I could do it better. I've just got to have the hope that... Just don't trust the fire at the moment. Uh, so there we are, James. Sort of benefit of the doubt, let's see what she's all about. That's not a bad place for somebody who's been in the front line of politics for a decade. Uh, starting with a clean slate like that, and the, the 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 ability of the Conservative Party with first Theresa May, then Boris Johnson, and now potentially this trust to reinvent is is going to be pretty crucial. Yeah, and so much of how people view the main parties is now through the prism of the leader. I think that's always been true to some extent, but it's becoming even more and more so in British politics. Um, the academic research shows that, and the focus groups show that as well. So, yeah, absolutely a reset moment. And I think what we what we learned there really told us something quite important, which is that. 
despite all of the chaos of the last few months, despite all of the damage, uh, the brand damage that Boris Johnson did to the Conservatives, Liz Truss has got this reset moment. People are willing to at least give her a chance. And it's interesting because Westminster people know about Liz Truss, but, she, but in terms of the public uh, awareness, because she didn't do the media round very often, she wasn't a Grant Shapps or a Dominic Raab or, you know, constantly going out and defending Boris Johnson. You know, she didn't, she wasn't on the front line of the COVID thing like Matt Hancock. Uh, you know, she was foreign sexually, she disappeared for long periods. So although... You know, some pictures that might have been gone down well in the Telegraph or an op-ed piece in the Times on Russian policy. She wasn't, she might be behind the minds of Westminster people, but just not in the same way. You know, she wasn't all over Good Morning Britain or the way that the, the, the general public consumed the news. Yeah, and so much of how people saw cabinet ministers over the last couple of years was during those COVID press conferences. And obviously she, I don't think, ever appeared at one of those. Um, So, yes, this is a blank sheet. Obviously there's risk in that as well. It can mean that people can take very negative views of you very quickly. But it also means that she has got the possibility to to turn views positive as well. Uh, It's James Johnson's with me. We're going through our focus group, a, a panel of swing voters from across the country, asking for their first impressions on Liz Truss. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the House of Commons. We think in the next 10, 15 minutes, Liz Truss will be up making her announcement on energy bills. We'll bring that to you uh, live. Uh, let's now work through there's a bit quite a narrative arc in this focus group uh, this month, uh, James, uh, because they didn't know much about it. They didn't really, you know, they couldn't really rustle up a view on Liz Truss. So you got them to watch her speech, all four minutes of her speech outside, uh, outside Downing Street. And then ask them, you know, we won't play it to you again, but you, you, listeners to the show and listeners to Times Radio will know know what it's all all about now. Uh, you, you know, it, her focus was on the economy, on energy bills and GPs appointments and much else besides. She also talked about building uh, more homes, more roads, more broadband. So this was this was the panel's view. Having said they didn't know anything about her, this is what they thought after watching her speech outside number 10. She annoyed me at the start when she thanked Boris and made out he was... This, that, and the other, you know, a great leader, etc. She said broadband three times. I was a bit like, all right, I've got internet. But I thought that she sh- she could have put energy crisis first. I think that probably would have been stronger to come in with. I think she sounded very strong, very determined. The thing that worried me is the saying about being hands-on with um, the whole Putin thing. It's a little scary. I mean, I get that she wants to solve the situation. I agree with that, and I'm grateful for that, but... That shouldn't have even been mentioned in a speech. She came across quite strong. She made some big pr- promises, which I was quite astounded about, to be quite honest. She she communicated well. I think, you know, give her a chance and let's see. She sounds confident, but, you know, it's early days. Um, I'm sceptical. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, obviously. I don't have any other choice. It's improved my perception or view of her because so I didn't, what I, what I had, it was, a, it was a low bar to start with. It's like my opinion hasn't changed. It's nice to know what she stands for. Still don't trust her. Uh, I mean, a mixed bag, James, there, but definitely erring towards the the positives. Um, Let's work through the the three Bs I've written down. Boris. Interesting that that her... I mean, actually, and several people actually said this to me this week. Labour and Tories said, I don't know why she paid tribute to Boris Johnson in her speech outside number 10. And actually, having sat through all of the previous Prime Minister's speech, they all have paid tribute to them. You know, maybe not by name, which is why it's a slightly different thing, but David Cameron paid quite a warm tribute to the Labour Party and Gordon Brown when he entered number 10. I suppose maybe, you know, they didn't all leave in quite the same way that Boris Johnson did. But it's interesting that voters really don't want to hear very much more about Boris Johnson. Yeah, they're very keen. They basically feel that Boris Johnson was... Uh, responsible for quite a lot of the problems that we're now yeah. facing. And we, you mean you heard it in our focus groups over this year, you know, since Partygate, they really turned against him. I think though, what, there's something else going on. Yes, they explicitly don't want anything said about Boris. But implicitly, it means that anything that doesn't look like Boris Johnson's style actually really appeals to them. And I think, you know, watching the speech, uh, when, I, when I watched it and when Twitter reacted to it, it was actually Bit, bit negative yeah but actually these voters really liked it because it seemed to be totally no frills you know no you know great you know or or, or oratory and you know fluff but actually just saying how it was and how she did she do perhaps to the commentary that might not look that exciting but actually to voters that 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 really that really appeals and actually we we listened to them uh what they said about the fact that they, she looked smart she you know she dressed not you know compared to Boris Johnson. You know, she just looked like someone turning up to work, just laying out her ambitions uh, in a very business-like, non-fussy way. So that was Boris. The thing about broadband, broadband's interesting. Boris Johnson, for the you know, part of his farewell tour, was going on that gigabit broadband. He went and put, he pointed in a hole in uh, Dorset. Is, is there something about 
is that a, a political decision reflecting back something that comes up a lot when you're doing groups? Because I thought that was point was like, well, I've got the internet. Why is it going on about the internet? That's a, that's a great question. About I'm not. I'm not. It's not something I hear a great deal about. It's obviously important in terms of yeah. leveling up and getting into those communities that that don't have it. I do think it might be one of those things that the civil service gets quite excited by. Yeah. Um, but might not actually be one of those great things that are go- that's going to shift the dial. It's all about energy with these with these people, yeah. and it's why the announcement today is so important. That was the third the third B being bills, which uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about in a moment. But actually, GPs appointments which Liz just talked about in her speech, that was a recognition that really is a thing that comes up in focus groups and polling uh, and on the ground. That is a, like a, that's become a sort of totemic example of public dissatisfaction with the way the state is working. Yeah, and maybe that's your fourth B, you know, backlog. Yeah. Um, that NHS backlog fear is, is really is really sort of prominent in a lot of the a lot of research and any member of the public you speak to, really. So, yes, uh, a few of those respondents said about that speech, maybe she got the priority, certainly it's quite slightly in the wrong order. Maybe it should yeah, be energy yeah. first, then NHS, then the broadband and building stuff. But broadly speaking, this was a speech which spoke to their concerns. Yeah, it didn't want... It, yeah, they weren't... What the hell is she on about over there, you know? Uh, right, but so then we played, uh, sort of picking through uh, Liz Truss's week, uh, the final exchange at PMQs yesterday, where uh, Keir Starmer said... It, there's nothing new. He tried to pin this on her again. There's nothing new about a prime minister who's been in government for 12 years. Uh, there's nothing new about anything she's saying. And Liz just gets up and says there's nothing new about a Labour leader who just wants to put up taxes. Uh, so let's take a listen to their reaction to that exchange. She knocked him down, didn't she? Like, just to start off with, like, she, she quite muted him, shall I say, didn't she, with that first comment about taxes. It was, just, you know, it's just like a political joke wasn't it you know like they obviously say between each other a bit of humor she was strong confident mm. again had a, a retaliation to him it's she, she seems to be able to handle herself which i think is better than her predecessor yeah and i thought she came across uh, quite well really um i think she blew him away you know to stand up in the house of commons on her first day i thought she did very well I think with the whole thing about the, we'll see what comes um, in the next few months, we'll realise that she's no different than the person we've just added. I like the way she handled herself. Yes, she's like I say, I have to remain hopeful. She is going to do what she says. I think she was challenged straight away, like we just saw, and I think she did handle it very well. She came back with answers. She didn't stutter. It wasn't all fluffy and airless. It was, she actually made some good points straight away. Not phased, not bothered. So let's see what she brings. I mean, it's fair to say that even even the Westminster bubble Twitterati thought that Liz Truss had a decent outing at PMQs yesterday. Yeah, and I think people listening to that might think, well, hold on, they were only talking about the style and the, her approach rather than the substance of, of the matter. But actually, that really matters. And the way that people thought she was strong, determined, um, you know, held herself together, as you, as you heard there, that matters because that's not by the by voters describing that. That matters because it makes people feel that actually they can believe what she says. Um, and she has managed to project that. Now, it's going to have a tough task to keep projecting that for weeks, months, years as Prime Minister, but she's got that opening. And uh, without intruding on your, your previous life too much, James, uh, uh, Theresa May had a very good first outing at PMQs. Yes, I saw uh, Christian Calgary on Twitter yesterday said, you know, it was box office, and it really was. And I think a lot of Tory MPs thought, going to have this leader for the next 10 years. Didn't quite end up happening. It didn't quite. So there was a, there was a health warning there. I mean, clearly, uh, we heard what they thought about Liz Truss uh, up against Keir Starmer at PMQs. Keir Starmer's been around. He's been in the job now for more than two years. So maybe they've hopefully made up their minds about him. Uh, this, let's take a listen to what they think about if you force them to choose between Liz Truss or Keir Starmer. I would probably go with Liz, only because she's fresh and she's new. Yeah, probably Liz Truss in the fact that She's new in, and I'd have to almost give her the benefit of the doubt and say, "Well, have a few months and see if you can do something." But it would be a it'd be a toss of a coin, to be fair. If and that was if someone put a gun to me and made me choose either way. I voted um, Conservative for quite a few years, so I think I'd probably just stick with her because of that. But obviously, I'm open to change as such. But that would probably be the reason why. Firstly, I think there's trust. You've got to give somebody the benefit of the doubt of what she she actually knows. And I was a, a bit of a follower of Theresa May because but she got dropped into the same sort of situation as what this trust has. Um, just don't trust stories. Um, I think they need to get the hell out of that um, building. I don't know much about Liz Trust. I would go with her to give her a chance rather than going the other way if I had to absolutely make a decision right now. I'd have to say Liz as well. 
James, uh, Twitter and I imagine Labour HQ must be absolutely pulling their hair out. Look, the, the thing I take away from that is the Boris effect has gone. If you think about most of our focus groups in 2022 when we asked that question, people said Keir Starmer over Boris yeah, Johnson. Yeah, they did. And, you know, that that big old you know, blonde barrier to voting Conservative has now been removed and people are willing to give Liz Truss a chance. And they still have deep reservations about Keir Starmer. They talk about him being a follower rather than a leader. They talk about him only acting on hindsight. They talk about him not having his own opinions, only going, you know, where the wind blows. And that matters when they're seeing a new leader who very tentatively, very early on, just based on the clips they saw, their feeling perhaps has a strength and authenticity that the Labour leader doesn't have. And is there an element of, um, right now in particular, there are big things facing the country. Energy bills is a prime example. But there are other things, you know, GPs appointments, things that people want fixed. A new person comes along, human instinct is, I just... I want them to fix this. You know, you sort of will, even if you sort of fundamentally disagree with them on everything, you sort of hope that actually they are going to do the stuff that they say they're going to do because that will make things better. Yeah, totally. And like I say, the sense that the, the what she has communicated in terms of the footage that they saw of her makes them feel that she might deliver those things. Mm. And when they see Keir Starmer, they might say he looks the part, he yeah. looks like he could be prime minister, he looks good in the suit but they don't feel that he's the person who's necessarily going to be fighting for them. Now, look, this could all fall apart for Liz Truss, and it could be that they don't feel that about her either in a, in a few weeks or months' time. But at the moment, she sort of has that natural advantage over Keir Starmer, and that's why they're choosing her. It's worth saying, a couple of Labour voters in this group who also chose Liz Truss over Keir Starmer. So it's not just the Conservative 2019 voters, it's also those who voted Labour in 2019 too. So it is a small sample selected by a market research company based on the, the criteria that we've given, but you know, people saying right now they voted Labour last time around and they'd vote for Liz Truss there's an election right now. Well, in fact, let's take a listen. This is what the, uh, the focus group had to say specifically about Keir Starmer. No, no opinion either way. I just think he's, during the COVID situation, massive... In the benefit of hindsight, that's all he used to come out with. I just don't think he did. didn't put himself forward, didn't promote any ideas. He was just, I'd have done this, actually, once something had gone wrong, which any of us could do. Uh, so I don't really have much of an opinion either. I think he was a bit of a follower um, rather than a leader. He just followed and joined in with everyone else's opinion. I think he's quite quirky in that, but I think he's had the balls today to challenge and have an argument with her, with Liz over the energy crisis. I think he looks like a prime minister. He's a follower. He's a painter, wouldn't he? He he would put it down anywhere just to just to if it, so if he had to jump ship, he would jump ship just to make himself look good or whatever else. He, he's got no charisma whatsoever. He's, he pussyfoots around everything. And like, you know, if he said. There's loads of apples on that tree. He would agree with you. I'd say that he's, he probably looks out more for the working men than um, anybody else is at the moment. I feel he's quite argumentative against what's being done, but he doesn't come up with solutions. A bit of a follower. Not very strong. And as you were saying there, James, uh, these are all things that people have been saying for two and a half years now about Keir Starmer. You know, it's fine for people not to know who Liz Truss is because she she's got an opportunity to introduce herself. People still don't have an opinion after two and a half years of Keir Starmer. There's only so many times he can reintroduce himself to the nation. Yeah, and look, when there's a general election campaign, he will have another big chance, you know, and people are really tuning in for what comes next. But there's absolutely no doubt that, you know, this is tough listening for Keir Starmer. And when you're up against Boris Johnson, who was so much more unpopular with these swing voters, that's kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. But when that, and that contrast is very clear. But they are back now to worrying about his strength, his charisma, um, and whether he can whether he can lead. Okay, let's bring you the third act of this focus group then. So they started, they didn't know anything about her. Then we played them the clips and then they said they quite liked her and they thought she was strong. But then there's this question of the energy bills and the big argument being mounted by Keir Starmer in the Commons yesterday was uh, we would freeze energy bills, pay for it with a windfall tax. Liz Truss saying she was going to do something on energy bills but was opposed to a windfall tax and in fact should put it on uh, general taxation. So what did the group think about that? They're making more than enough money, and why should they benefit from it? So ultimately, if we end up having to pay for it, any we'll end up having to pay for it anyway in a roundabout way. We'll just end up paying it through the back door on our own taxes. If you the windfall, the windfall tax. I think the energy companies have made a lot of money over the years. Need to mitigate some losses right about now. I think that that's what she'd probably go for, really. I'd, I'd be going in the opposite direction. Yeah, uh, I just feel that it'll get more people in debt and it'll be more borrowing and just going in the wrong direction for the working class. I just don't see how she thinks an economy can 
grow if if, if it's going to be not by the windfalls. That's effectively she's asking. Mm-hmm. I don't see how how things are going to get any better. We we the people will pay. We we, we have to pay, and it's one way or the other. So whatever they do, and whatever they dress it up as, I I always feel it, it's it's Joe Bloggs on the street. He's he's, he's forking the bill. There's two sure things in life: it's taxes and death. You 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 can't get a, you can't get around it. When you conquer invented it, that you can't get around. One way or the other, you have to pay it. So, well, then it's where it's going to end up with this new movement. What's coming around? What's wanting everybody to sign and not pay the bills? That's going to put even more people in debt. So. Mm. It's just going to force the public's hands. They're going to think, well, if everybody else is doing this, why should I pay my bills? Uh, so, James, the third act. Act one, they didn't know anything about Liz Truss. We showed her speech and performance at PMQs. They quite liked it. They were hopeful, give her the benefit of the doubt. On a, the big call that she's making, that she can freeze energy bills but not have a windfall tax, and that this this the, the bill for freezing energy bills should be picked up by the country, not by the energy companies. That's actually massively unpopular. Yeah. So the question is, is, is you know, if Act Two and Three are the sort of crossroads, the two yeah. paths where her reputation might go, where, where, do, where do they go? Do they go down the? They, do they continue down the road of actually they like her approach and her style, or does the policy decision mean that they soon turn turn off her? Now, there's no doubt that it does give Labour an opportunity, and Labour clearly has an opening here to make that contrast. My hunch is, and this is just a hunch, a prediction, and maybe may well end up being wrong is that the style and the approach matters more. Now, that will have some people tearing their hair out, but the public, in, in, in my view, they care more about authenticity, strength, consistency than they necessarily do about the policy decision. Now, if this cost on them was going to land tomorrow or it was a loan setup or something like that, then I think Labour would have much more, you know, sort of ability to make hay from it. But because this is a borrowing thing, yes, yes they oppose, but isn't necessarily going to hit them straight away, then she may well be able to, to, to tough that out. It's interesting. So uh, uh, Robin's just tweeted, your focus group never fails to dismay me. Starmer and Labour have been leading the way on energy costs with innovative windfall tax proposals, and yet the rather dim group suggests he's been guilty of hindsight. The opposite is true. Uh, depressing. Uh, others, I'll be honest, been quite rude. Just proves some people should never get to vote. The depressing number of normal people applying it's OK to vote Tory. Now Johnson's gone. Apart from people being rude about the fact that normal members of the public do not follow all this stuff. Is, well, you actually made that. You asked you asked them, didn't you? What What have you seen Keir Starmer doing? And I don't think anybody had noticed that he'd called for a windfall tax. And actually, he sort of popped up on holiday. Did he even make a speech? I can't remember. Did he just do a statement or write a piece of the guy? Like, it wasn't like he was out absolutely everywhere, every day, morning, noon and night, hammering away at a windfall tax all over the summer. And it, there's a slight risk of the Labour Party behaving a bit too much like they're already the government and not an insurgent constantly seeking attention. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to be Keir Starmer, right? You get told all the time, and, and including in these focus groups, that you're not coming forward with an idea. Yeah. Comes forward with an idea, and nobody hears about it, and nobody gives them any credit for it. Yeah. But it does show the toughness of, you know, politics, in that if the Conservatives nab Labour's idea... In Parliament, Labour might feel very chuffed about that, but actually the public aren't seeing that. They're just seeing that they as a good conservative. Exactly the same happened to the Conservatives the other way around with Blair. You know, yeah. Blair would steal all these conservative ideas and get all the credit for it, and the Conservatives would be tearing their hair out. And it's interesting the sort of the, the Captain Hindsight thing is bubbling around uh, again. You know, all he does is in, all he does is oppose everything the government is doing, which is slightly the nature of being the leader of the opposition. Where does that come from in terms of the political life of Captain Hindsight? Is it that people were saying it to? Boris Johnson's number 10's focus groups, and they then repeated it back? Or is it that Boris Johnson latches on to Captain Hindsight and that then takes hold and then it gets repeated? What's the sort of lifespan of of that sort of thing? Because, you know, Keir Starmer and Liz Truss are going to need to sort of repeat the same act, the same trick, if you like. Yeah, well, I went back and had a look at some of our very first times radio focus groups back in the start of 2020. And there was that sense bubbling underneath that actually Keir Starmer was playing politics a bit with the pandemic. It wasn't strong, but it was there. It then got much more ingrained in their view when Boris Johnson started using the label. So I think it was bubbling around, but not the very strong. When Boris Johnson made that attack, it then brought it right to the surface, and that really has ended up now defining uh, Keir Starmer. 
Uh, well, we're keeping an eye on uh, the House of Commons right now. I don't think Liz Truss is even in the House of Commons yet. So what we might do is... We'll, we'll, uh, uh, well, we'll continue chatting. James Johnson's here uh, from JL Partners doing our Times Radio Focus Group. We've got loads more to bring you uh, while we wait for uh, Liz Truss to arrive in the House of Commons. Just looking at the pictures, quasi quarting the chances already there. Uh, but the Liz Truss uh, isn't yet. You are listening uh, to Matt Jolly on Times Radio. We will bring you Liz Truss's statement on what's happening to your energy bills next. Today's 199 wrap of the day is the spicy veggie one, guaranteed to cause flavour envy. Picture a soft tortilla wrap filled with... Mmm, delicious crispy veggie dippers. Uh, Ooh, I've heard it's vegan too. Um, that spicy relish looks good. Today's 199 spicy veggie one. So big on flavour, everyone will want some. Only at McDonald's. <laughs> From 11am. Times Radio with Matt Chorley. Uh, very good morning to you. Nice to have you uh, with us. It's Matt Jolly in uh, On Times Radio, joined in the studio by James Johnson from JL Partners. Used to be a number 10 uh, pollster, now does focus groups for us. We've got this uh, this panel of swing voters giving their verdict on uh, on Liz Truss and, uh, uh, and windfall tax and Keir Starmer uh, and all of that. We're keeping an eye on the House of Commons where Liz Truss is due to set out her plan for uh, what's going to happen to your energy bills for both uh, households and businesses. So we'll bring you that as soon as she's up. Let's continue our, our, our walk through what the focus group had to say. This is, uh, you asked them to, to set out their sort of message. What do they want from Liz Truss? Let's take a listen. Not lie. End of the day, we don't need another liar to come in and, and tell us how it's going to be. We want somebody who's going to actually follow through with what they're saying. Yeah, I basically said be firm and tell the truth. You know, like... If this is what's got to be done, this is what's got to be done. Don't lie about anything. Yeah, don't sugarcoat things. Professionalism and integrity more so than than Boris, I think. More of a leader for the country than, than he was, obviously. Yeah, the same. Um, assertive, high integrity. And if you say you're going to do something, do it. don't tell us you're going to put 20 billion into the NHS and then three years later we're all sitting there still waiting for it to happen. If you're going to get on and do something, get on and do it and show people that that you mean business. I think she needs to be a very strong character. I think she's got a hell of a job. I think she's got a massive job now to get us out of the mess that we're in, in a lot of things. But I think she's got to start making small progress very quickly and then build up to the bigger progress um, and just be honest with what she's going to do and how she's going to do it and lead by example and don't do a Boris. All we all want is just somebody for once to stand up and tell the truth. I think a lot of people now have woken up to politics and said, you know what, that vote, I don't feel, I don't, it's not worth anything. And, and, it's, and a lot of people are just disillusioned, I think, with politics at the moment. Tell the truth is such an important thing that keeps coming through all the time, isn't it, James? And I sort of wonder whether there's a space there for Liz Truss to say, I can't help. It'd be interesting to see what she says in the comments. I can't, I can't help. Rishi Sunak did this quite well during the pandemic. I can't protect everyone. But I'm doing as much as I can, and there are lim- you know that sort of sense of honesty, rather than the Boris Johnson. You can have everything. You can have the moon on the stick, and your cake, and you can eat it. That actually, a bit of straightforwardness, straightforward business-like honesty, might actually be a card that that Liz Truss can play quite effectively. Yeah, and I think also saying things might be tough over the next two years. I might make some unpopular decisions, but you know, I'll come back to you then, and then sit, and then I'll, you know, hopefully the results will be there me to show you that I've, I've done the right thing and I think there is that openness it's interesting you know, these focus group respondents almost don't want the politicians to be focus grouped they want them to actually just be themselves yeah. have that conviction have that sense of direction and and honesty with them if I was advising um, Liz, Liz Truss and her number 10 I'd be saying the most important thing for her presentation over the next few weeks is when she's doing interviews, if she's doing, you know, um, I don't know, Laura Coonsberg interview or interviews with, with you, Matt, or other journalists. She's always welcome. She's an open invite. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, I would say the most important thing is is that she is seen to answer that those questions directly. If she does the classic politician thing of seeming to dodge the question, then she's going to erode that reputation yeah, very yeah. quickly. Even if it's a difficult answer... Voters hugely prioritise that, and I think that's going to be the main proxy, whether they decide whether she is a truth-teller, that change from Boris Johnson, or whether she's just more of the same. Uh, well, let's now... Uh, so that was the message they had for Liz Truss. Let's take a listen to what the folks had to say, their direct message to Keir Starmer. I just try and get another general election, but I think there's got to be a timescale in between each one, um, but I just try and get her out of the office as quick as possible. Have clear strategic alternatives to what she's offering so we can clearly compare the two backed up by evidence. 
than Bible. Green Pat Diane Abbott. <laughs> she's she's about on par with what he is. Is they they haven't got a policy to put together, and I think they they need to. They they got nothing to hit the ball back with at the moment. Just to have clear alternatives or give some sort of you know something's not going the way it should be. Give clear alternatives, and yeah, that probably be positive for him. Be proactive and you know have some clear policies that we can that you can compare them against. Just to be clear and precise with what you would like to achieve, so that we can compare. James, if you were advising uh, Keir Starmer right now, what would you say? Uh, well, he needs to keep trying to come out with these big strategic plans. Uh, and it's difficult because it's really hard when you're leading the opposition to get the airtime. Um, but he needs to you know, find that distinction and he needs to keep, keep, keep ha- hammering it. And I think he needs to be more front and centre of that himself. You know, voters need to get the sense that actually he's got a bit of conviction, he's got a bit of leadership on this stuff and isn't just saying what's popular either. Um, one, one thing just to, to, to say, Matt, someone's, someone's uh, uh, tweeted in here and they made a good point, you know, which is um, you know, surely when a product is focus group, those taking part have to have tried the product. Um, yet you know, he points to the fact that a lot of people didn't know who Liz Truss was. And I think it is an important caveat to this. At the moment, the polling for Liz Truss is not great. I'm not sitting here, we're not sitting here saying yeah, yeah. she's wildly popular. What we're saying is, is that when they see the footage, they are warming up to her and they are feeling more positive and that she could be popular if she maintains this sort of uh, track. And a big, big test is what is about to happen now. Uh, energy bills are for, uh, right at the forefront of people's minds. And her decisiveness, the way that she sells it, the way that she explains it, uh, and the, uh, the, the, the conviction with which she makes the case for how it's going to be paid for is going to be absolutely key. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. We bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information.